Did you know that over 60,000 new tracks are uploaded to Spotify every single day? That's a new track every 1.4 seconds, and that's just on one platform. With so much music now available, it's more important than ever to stand out from the crowd. So it's not surprising that more artists are starting to use less conventional sonic textures in their music, like field recordings. Perhaps you've always wanted to infuse the sounds of nature or your favourite city into your own tracks, but not having the right gear or knowledge might have held you back. Well, if that's the case, you're going to love the brand new guide I just created, teaching you how to start field recording with just a smartphone. And it's all yours for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel. Yep, you really do just need a humble smartphone and some minimal extra gear that doesn't have to break the bank to get started with field recording. And I've laid it all out in this handy five-point checklist. So download it for free at femalediymusician.com forward slash learn with Isabel and elevate your music to the next level. Hey, Knob Twiddlers. I'm thrilled to share that season three of the Girls Twiddling Knobs podcast is sponsored by the lovely folks at Isotope. Now, Isotope design award-winning audio plugins, and I'm actually using some of the fabulous tools inside their RX9 software to get my voice sounding crystal clear inside today's episode. And when you use the code GIRLSPOD10, you'll get 10% off any plugin purchase on their site, excluding subscriptions and a whole free month of their amazing Music Production Suite Pro instead of the standard seven-day trial. Just go to isotope.com forward slash girls pod to find out more. So my first gig was at Egg London and I don't even know what happened. It all just came naturally. Like my hands were going everywhere. I was getting involved with the crowd. And then after that, my next gig was, it was really weird to say it was Creamfields and then Reading. Like I feel really lucky to have them as my next gig. But I think just after every single gig, I became more confident and I just, enjoy so much stepping up to that stage seeing all these people pressing play and them just dancing to my music it's just you can't explain the feeling unless you've done it but it, it just feels amazing and there's no other place I'd rather be than DJing. Hello and welcome to Girls Twiddling Knobs. My name's Isabel and over the last decade my self-produced and self-released music has amassed over 25 million Spotify streams. I also have a PhD in Sonic Arts, but I wasn't always this confident with music tech. In fact, I still hear those self-doubt gremlins in my head from time to time. I started this podcast to help more female-identifying musicians start recording and producing their music and learn from other women making music with technology. If that's your cup of tea, then you're in the right place, my friend. Let's dive in. Well, hello there, Knob Twiddlers, and welcome to Season 3 of Girls Twiddling Knobs. It's so great to be back here with you with a jam-packed series of episodes to inspire, infuse and support your journey making music with technology, as well as some killer solo episodes from yours truly on everything from acoustic treatment all the way through to imposter syndrome. I'll also be bringing you a selection of wonderful guest interviews that you'll probably be listening to on repeat for the next few weeks. And boy, do I have a treat of an episode for you today, dear listener. But before we get into all that, 
I just want to make sure you knew about my totally new quiz where you can find the perfect vocal mic for you and your needs. I made this quiz because this is one of the most common questions I get asked by listeners of the podcast and my students alike, and it's which vocal mic to invest in. And I know this can feel like a big deal. There's so many options nowadays and people will give you lots of different recommendations. But in just a few short questions and a few seconds of your time, my new quiz will match you with a mic that's right for your voice, your setup, your needs and your budget. Plus, you'll also get a free bonus video teaching you how to use your mic properly when you're recording to get your most professional recordings yet. Anything for you, knock twiddlers. Just go to femalediymusician.com forward slash quiz to take the quiz. That's femalediymusician.com forward slash quiz and get ready to meet your perfect vocal mic. But on with today's episode, Knob Twiddlers, and at just 20 years old, today's guest is perhaps the youngest we've ever had on the podcast. But don't let Emily Nash's age fool you, because this DJ and producer is currently setting the electronic dance music world on fire. As you'll hear in our conversation today, when she didn't get the grades she hoped for at school, she had to come up with a different plan for her life. Luckily for her, she was able to take a music production course at her local college, and little did she know, within just a couple of short years, this would lead to great things for her. She's now signed to Ministry of Sound and has been tipped as one of Radio 1's future stars of 2022, and Beatport on Amazon's One to Watch in 2022 as well. Inside this episode... Emily shares what it's been like seeing her music take off in such a short space of time, including the psychological impact of this. I also get to pick her brains about how she goes about creating the club bangers she's becoming synonymous with, as well as the positive experience she's thankfully had as a woman in the industry so far. Okay, without further ado, let's meet Emily. So, hello Emily, welcome to Girls Twiddling Knobs. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. So just for full disclosure for the listeners, we are re-recording this episode because the podcast software that I use for the first time ever deleted our recording before I could get it. So I just want to share that just so that people know things will always mess up with (laughs) technology and that's okay. So thank you so much for coming back on the podcast to do this this interview. Yeah, don't worry. I enjoyed the last one so may as well do it again. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. This one will be even better. So let's kick off by you just sharing who you are and just let our listeners know what you do as well. Yeah, so my name's Emily Nash. I'm 21. I turned 21 last week, actually. It's quite weird to say that. Oh, wow. Happy birthday. Thank you. So I first started, I didn't manage to get my maths GCSE at school, so I couldn't go on to do my GCSEs. And Everyone had started at sixth form college and whatnot, and I was like, oh no, what do I do? So I went down to my local college, Kidderminster College, and they were like, what do you like? And I was like, well, I quite like music. And they put me in this music production class, and it was just ever since then, really, took off. I got back home, I was like, this is what I want to do. I got my first keyboard, my laptop, and then I bought Logic Pro, and just all 
happened there and I haven't left it alone and I love it. That's amazing. I mean, I think that's a really, really interesting, but hopefully inspiring story for people who have maybe had some of those failures along the line, because we all have and we all do. And that's part of life. Yeah. Can you just tell us a bit then, what was your experience like at school? Did you struggle with things like maths or was it a surprise to you that you didn't get through that in your GCSE? Yeah. So maths, I did it for, I tried three times, kept failing. And then I got my GCSE results and the teacher came up to me she was like you can't go into sixth form I was like no one told me this but it it's it was a blessing because all this has happened and I don't think it would have without it and I was only going to go to sixth form and do like art and geography things I'm not really interested in anyway because I didn't know what I wanted to do so I mean, maybe someone was looking down, pointed me in the right direction. (laughs) Yeah, and it's a really good point because a lot of the time, you know, especially when you're that age, you don't necessarily know what you want to do and you do have to pick subjects to keep going through, you know, sixth form and everything. So, yeah, they're not always ones that necessarily light you up or are really going to be things you want to pursue. I know for me, like I've said this on the podcast a lot, but I have dyslexia. And so that was really, really challenging at school. And I had to work so hard to scrape a C in maths. I I did it, but I was, you know, destined for failure as well. Wow. And I got, I scraped a double D in science, but scraped, you know. Yeah. And it's it's hard because when that happens, it can really set you back. But um, clearly yeah. for you, you had the right support and the right guidance to to channel you into music production. Yeah, extremely lucky. Yeah, yeah. But what kind of music do you make then? If no one's come across you yet, what's your vibe? So when I first started producing, I'd go to like the tech house underground side and then lockdown hit and I was like, you know what let's try something else so I went more down like the commercial route and started making more like dance tracks and that's sort of what I do now I just concentrate on the dance side but I do also like the tech house side because my latest release with Ministry of Sound which is called Garden that's more like tech house underground but I'm just sort of like finding the balance between the dance and tech house because I mean, why not stick to like one genre? Just do, if you can make others, do others. Because I quite enjoy um, drum and bass as well. So I do drum and bass as well in my spare time, which I love. Wonderful. Yeah. And like you say, you know, it's always about expanding who you are and exploring new parts of yourself as an artist. So why stick to one genre for sure? Who do you think would be your biggest musical influences then? So I think I've got quite a few. I've got um, Gorgon City, MK, Sonny Federa, Duke Dumont. Calvin Harris I've been a lot of people have said oh you're the new female Calvin Harris so that's quite good wow. to hear I guess as he's the king of the dance music but I think my biggest one would be MK I've grown up listening to his music and my family all love his tunes so I, I think it'd be MK and what is it that you love about MK's music then it just makes you like really happy it's just ready for the summer and I just like all the pianos in it and just got this unique sound to it it's great so is that something that you want to kind of evoke in your music too that sense of just like pure love of life dancing you know just having a really like hedonistic good time yeah I really like upbeat tunes so all my music if you listen back it's all very upbeat it'll inspire you make you happy my latest release Garden's a bit more on the darker side but I mean, it's still still got like lovely lyrics to listen to that make you feel nice. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I get what you mean. It's got a kind of like a slight edge. And I'd love to talk a bit more about that track in a, in a minute. But first, I just wanted to ask, 
what was it like growing up? Because you're from Kidderminster, aren't you? Yes. So what was it like growing up there? And how do you think that's influenced the music that you're making now? Yeah, so we've got, we haven't, it's not much of a music scene around here. We've got like the town hall. I think the closest place to Kidderminster would be Birmingham. That's where I go for a lot of my night out. And my first rave was in Birmingham at Lab 11. It's quite a small, like, quiet town. I think the music facility at the college is really good. And there's a few artists who are from Kidderminster, but they're more of like the older generation. But I think just like it's such a small town, but it's got like quite a bit of coolness to it as well. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's got a, a kind of edge to edge. it. It's yeah. Not, yeah. <laughs> cool. So would you have gone out a lot in Birmingham then? Yeah. So I start, well, we've got a club in Kidderminster called Nubu, but then I, I was like, let's go out somewhere else. So then I started to go to Birmingham and my first rave was Lab 11 and it's just this really cool little club and I always wanted to play there and I got a gig back on New Year, which was, it was amazing. But like you've got the mill as well and all these other places, you've got the four room and it's just full of like all these artists coming from all over the world to Birmingham and that's like where the next step is from London, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So it really feels like it's a hub and there's an energy to it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What do you think you loved most growing up about those kind of environments as opposed to other spaces you could be experiencing music? I think just like it just has like a coolness to it. And I think going out of the box rather than just staying in Kidderminster, because there's probably like two clubs here, but it's just like kept down to like one level of all like the newest latest releases but then if you go out the box you've got like all the cooler stuff all the edgier stuff yeah and and I know that a lot of people say that that kind of club culture is really I mean m- most of those spaces are really welcoming and yeah. just really positive and you can kind of be whoever you want like dress what you want is that yeah. what you found as well yeah like whenever I go out I never see a sad face and I think it's just the music just brings everyone happiness like I don't know if it's for a lot of people boy I find whenever I go to a club or somewhere like you don't have to worry about anything you're just there with the music and enjoying the moment and you see a lot of people dress differently but it's good to see that people can be comfortable and like present who they want to be so it's I think it opens up a lot of doors for people to express how they're feeling and stuff as well so I think it's great yeah and I think especially like at this moment in time when you think we're in this window between a pandemic well climate change and third world war that those moments where you can just be present and just you know release yourself and kind of be present in that moment and enjoy being alive yeah are really precious aren't they definitely they are it's it's just like a it almost feels like another world like you you're doing your day-to-day stuff in the day and then you go out at night and it's like this whole other world of music and it just I'd go out every night if I could but I think I'd end up sleep falling asleep (laughs) after a while (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, well you'd you'd hope so (laughs) yeah (laughs) you need a good sleep yeah Okay, well, let's just think about you learning production. And I know that you DJ as well. And so on the the podcast, I've talked to so many different women about their experiences learning music production, music technology, and they're all completely different. So maybe you could just fill us in. What was your experience of this? So when I first started out joining the music industry, I always saw like the lineups and it was full of men. And I used Twitter a lot on Twitter. It always like just the women ranting, saying, oh, it's men again on this lineup and here again but then I think things changed around pretty fast for me like within a year I was on all these lineups and I saw a lot of my female friends who were on the lineups as well so I think 
we're going the right way where it's now getting towards like the I guess equal and you see all these different names and I think it's just really great to see but for my experience there's been like all these clubs I wanted to play and it's happened pretty fast like all of last year I've played at least four of my dream places and it's just felt amazing and I just feel really lucky. Yeah definitely and it's really good to know that your experience so far has been such a positive one and like you say you know it's it's not always the case. What was it like when you did the was it a, a BTEC in music production? So I did it's like level three music production and then you've okay. also like the business side of the music as well. Okay yeah. But to be honest I do find after I came back from college that like YouTube is the biggest help like YouTube just has all the answers and there was some bits I left from college I was like oh they didn't teach this but went on YouTube and learned it straight away which was great yeah okay so that really supplemented your experience so when you were when you were starting to learn music production what was the moment or one of the moments where you're like wow this is cool was there a particular plugin or was it doing a particular thing like even just starting to use beats What was the moment where you're like, okay, this is amazing? So I got back from college and within a few weeks I had um, Logic Pro and the keyboard and I just couldn't get over like, you tap literally one note and it turns into whatever instrument you like. And I started experimenting with all these sounds, but then I found the plugin Serum and I've got made this bass preset on it and I use it in most of my tracks I make now and I think that was the point where I was like oh my god this is like I love this sound I want to use it and it just brings you like excitement and I'll be sat there making a track I'll get the vocal but then as soon as I add that bass and I'm like it just it just makes me really excited for the song Yeah, so maybe we could talk a little bit about the track Garden then, because it'd be great to hear about your creative process. But before you kind of talk us through that, maybe you could tell us a little bit about this track and then talk us through how you went about making it. Yeah, so Garden's like a, I'd describe it as like a haunting sort of tech house track. It's got this haunting vocal and then like this really unusual synth that goes along with it. The bass is pretty simple. It's it's literally one key I pressed and just repeated it over and over but then when it came into terms of making it it was just one day I was on splice where I get my vocals from and I came across this vocal and it was just said come to the garden I was like already there's a great name so I was listening to it and I dragged it into my tracks and I got the bass going on it And then I added all the drums and then I had this, like I said, unusual synth that added it. It all just came together really quickly. And I think it was like one of the quickest tracks I make. But I find the less time I take to make the track, the better it is rather than overthinking it all. But yeah, it all just came from finding this vocal and putting it into my track and just building the track around the vocal, really. Yeah. So that's um, that's like someone who maybe doesn't make this kind of music might not know what that process is. So obviously there's places like Splice where people will have uploaded samples that you can then use and they're, you know, that all the rights have been cleared so that you can use yeah. them. So you found this vocal top line and you just like the feel of it. What was it that, what attracts you to a top line that makes you think, 
I'm going to work with that one. I like something like really catchy that I can imagine people singing back or say you've listened to the song once, you can almost remember every word after listening to it. So because it was literally just like one line of vocals, I was like, that's simple enough. Let's turn it into like a tech house tune because I just find really simple catchy vocals go really well with tech house as well because when you're in a rave everyone's singing that part but then it comes in with the bass and everyone just goes mad so and like even the vocal itself her name's Linny she's got a really like unusual voice and it's really nice tone to it and I just think everything about it was just perfect yeah and I think you make a really good point that like it's a, it is a really catchy vocal like, I've had it in my head a lot <laughs> <laughs> melody line but the way she sings it is very delicate and it is very kind of it piques your curiosity but yeah. then like you say if you then have a kind of really dirty edgy bass come in then it's like this whole other tone that like comes switcher. into the track yeah yeah and that if you were there in that club it would be really exciting and you're like okay you know the stuff's getting started yeah when I first started playing the track I think the first place I played it was Ministry of Sound Club and not many people were aware of it and I played it and I could tell like the first few like minutes, like first like one, two minutes in, no one knew the words, but on the last drop, everyone was singing. I was like, that's just what you want. <laughs> So clearly, like, you're always thinking about the context that you're sharing your work and you're thinking, how is this going to come across in a club setting? And yeah. how is this going to make sense in to that audience and make sure that it complements their experience as much as, you know, any other components of why you would make music? Yeah, exactly. I just, it was yeah. just right at the time and ministry approached me and they loved it. And I think it just all, it happened so fast, but it was, it all happened in the right timing as well yeah so maybe you could tell us a little bit about like your career journey as well because obviously you're doing a course in music production and I guess maybe during that time you're starting to make your own music and then yeah. what happens next do you get approached by management how does that happen yes yeah, so I started at college music production it was about three years long and then I came back. I work at Tesco, so I was still working at Tesco alongside, but still there now as well. And then literally the bits I didn't know, I'd gone to YouTube and I'd got my Instagram account flowing. Like I learned just to like post a lot of stuff, make different content to get all your followers up. And I, it sounds a bit silly, but commenting on different people's posts as well engages you with the artist. And they're like, oh, who's this commenting? So that helped a lot. I got talking to some people and then I got approached by Stephen and Sophia who run Weird and Wonderful Management and I got handed over to them and literally since I've been with them it, I've flown off so I can't thank them enough. They also then got me in with a booking agency who's Jack and he was like what gigs do you want to play and I had like all these bucket lists of gigs and literally within the first six months like half of them would be in ticked off and I was like is this actually... Wow happening and it's like they all just believed in my music so much and they wanted to work with me that I think I'm, I'm extremely lucky to have such a great team around me and they've just pushed me to where I want to be I mean up next I've got loads of festivals gigs a lot more new music coming out which I can't wait to release it's more on the dancey side my next single but everything's just flying up now but yeah it's it's I'm just like so grateful for everything yeah and I mean so Ministry of Sound 
that when did that happen because you're signed to them now aren't you yes so I signed back with them I believe it was last June in the summer and then took a few months to get things rolling and then Garden got released in January this year and I mean it's hit a million streams today I believe which is wow congratulations yeah I sent it to um, Andrew the A&R and he was like that that was fast so um I'm I'm happy about that. I have to celebrate that. But um, the whole team there are just, they're on it and they know what they're doing. And they get you to work with different people, get you to do um, different contents. And I think it just pushes you as an artist to develop as well, which is really good to see because you get other labels that they just fling your music out and that's all you see of them. But Ministry almost tried to show like your personality side as well, which is, I guess, what everyone wants to see as well. Yeah, definitely. And and like you say, you know, well, like you said at the beginning, you still want to experiment with different genres. You're still growing as an artist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Before Ministry, I was with a label called Stress Records and all the songs with them were all like dancey. And... I'd, then I started getting into drum and bass and management were like, just try a drum and bass remix of one of your tracks. So I did that with Stress Records and that got released as well. So you can find that out on um, my Spotify. But I, my, I think my top three genres would be dance, tech house and drum and bass. Brilliant. So do you think you're going to be doing more drum and bass in the future then? Maybe. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know if I'd release an Emily Nash. I could make an alias, but if not, I'd definitely remix my own tunes and maybe part of like an Emily Nash remix drum and bass special or something. Well, that's one of the great things about being able to remix stuff, though, isn't it? That you can yeah. start trying out different genres, even though you as an artist have a particular brand. You know, you can kind of take it in different directions. Definitely. I think it's good yeah. as well if you want to produce for other people as well. Like, you can just expand that side. So that's something I probably want to do in the future as well. Yeah, yeah. I've wanted to ask about that. You know, do you have plans to produce other people? Or is that something that's further down the line? I think it would be further down the line. I mean, I've got a range I've got a range of tracks ready to go if people want to hear them. But at the moment, I think concentrate on the next ministry release and maybe, I don't know, towards the end of this year, I could look at getting other tunes out for other people or more collabs and things like that. So another thing I wanted to talk to you about was DJing because I know this is another part of, you know, obviously you perform your songs or your tracks live and you DJ. And I wanted to ask you, there's some really good videos online of you, like in front of massive crowds (laughs) on the decks. What does that feel like? And what's it like to do a DJ set? So when I first started DJing, I'm, I was never the person to go to a club and dance. Like, it's really bad, but I would just stand there unless I was drunk and then I'd start dancing. I just didn't feel right. confident. So um, my first gig, I was like, oh no, what, what do I do? What do I do with my hands? And... I said to my mum, I was like, do I just stand there? And she was like, just practice in your room, putting your hand up in your bedroom. So I started doing that and it got more comfortable. So my first gig was at Egg London and I don't even know what happened. It all just came naturally. Like my hands were going everywhere. I was getting involved with the crowd. And then after that, my next gig was, it was really weird to say it was Creamfields and then Reading. Like I feel really lucky to have them as my next gigs. But I think just after every single gig, I became more confident and I just, enjoy so much stepping up to that stage seeing all these people pressing play and them just dancing to my music it's just you can't explain the feeling unless you've done it but it it just feels amazing and there's no other place I'd rather be than DJing it it's it's really good so is your favorite part of what you do being on that stage seeing the reaction in the audience or or is it you squirreled away in your room making the tracks it's a hard decision I mean some days I'm making 
really sick tunes and I'm like, I don't want to leave this room. But then when you go out into the DJ side at night, it's just this whole of the world. I mean, I can't really compare them because they're just both amazing. But yeah, it's just, I, I love the both of them. Yeah, no, and they're so different. But the way you describe being in front of that crowd, you know, I think any any musician that's been on stage, they, they will know that feeling. But I'm sure that it's a particular feeling when it's about you you kind of facilitating people dancing and having yeah. a really good time and that you can you can see in real time if people are dancing or not and how energetically they're dancing or you know it's almost like controlling the crowd yeah. like when I first started DJing people were like because everyone has like set lists well some people have set lists of what they're going to play but a lot of people said to me just bring a USB full of what tracks you like and they sort of said just go with the crowd like if I play a song and the crowd leans more towards that than play something similar so I sort of just go like that but recently I've been creeping in like one or two drum and bass tracks in every set I do just as a little surprise and I seem I think that seems to go down really well everyone loves that. That's great as well because then you can tell like okay maybe my audience is really into this too and yeah. I could go further into that so yeah that's great f- information for you it, it, oh I, I love it <laughs> yeah <laughs> well I'm just wondering if there's somebody listening to the podcast now and they're thinking oh like this sounds really cool I would love to start DJing or I'd love to start producing drum and bass or house or techno what advice would you give to them so when I first started producing I was like oh no, I'm going to need all this fancy equipment. So I think number one, you don't need expensive equipment. Just get yourself a MacBook. I have a MIDI keyboard and then you can use Logic or Ableton. And then it's all just, you can literally make a like a number one hit just using that really. You don't need to spend like thousands on synthesizers. And then number two, I just used YouTube if I didn't like if I needed help with something else and then on the DJ side there's a range of different decks out there there's like pirate studios which you can go to but it's not the best all the buttons are sometimes broken but it's, it's a good place to start and um I learned the decks by YouTube so every day I'd just be watching YouTube tutorials and that's, that's how I learned my DJ side a lot of people think it's really hard to get into but it's once you do a bit of research and know what know the right path to go to it's pretty simple and um I think just be like repetitive with your content on Instagram and TikTok as well is a good one to use because you can post a video of you doing nothing and it can blow up with two million views and you're famous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I know that a lot of musicians are really resistant to like, I, I sometimes when I've said to people, oh, well, you know, it's, it's good, good practice to like post every day on Instagram yeah. or TikTok or whatever. And some people will say, oh, that sounds like loads. I mean, how often do you use social media? How often are you posting? So I use Instagram probably every day, but I normally dedicate for like, if I need to do videos like DJing and mixing or like content pieces for producing, I'll just dedicate one, like one day, probably five hours and just record loads of videos and then leave them all in my drafts. And then I have them back up and then wait two weeks. And if I've used them all, do another week and dedicate one day again great that's a really really good tip because I think people think oh well that means every day I'm gonna have to think of something to post and yeah but you're essentially you're like batching 
that content, aren't you? It's much easier because if not, you're just stressing, thinking, how am I going to fit this in at this time? If You've got to be here. So I think just dedicate one day and you're good to go. <laughs> yeah, I love that tip. I think that's really good. And I also love that you're saying, you know, like when it comes to getting into production and making music and, you know, learning all these skills, you, you've got to just, you know, put the time in. And like you, you know, you're watching YouTube videos every day, just learning yeah. how to do this stuff. And just be patient and put the time in and, and turn up every day. And you will get to a point where you look back and you're like, oh, wow, I now know how to loop beats. I now know yeah. how to use presets and plugins. I now, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a really good tip for people for sure. Definitely. So I just wanted to ask, just to kind of wrap up, is there a, a female DJ that you've always looked up to as a role model for you? So I went to Glastonbury a couple of years back and the first female DJ I saw was Annie Mack. And it was like, I was like, is that a woman up there DJing? And it was just really weird to see because I'm just used to seeing all these male DJs in the dance tents. And um, I got back and my mum and dad are a big fan of Annie Mack as well. Like They always used to listen to her Radio 1 shows and... I got back, followed her, and just ever since then, I've watched everything she did. I went on YouTube, watched, like, every single set she did online. And I think a lot of inspiration came from just me seeing her at Glastonbury that once, and it carried on for me to be like, that's what I want to do. Because um, this shortly, I think this shortly happened around the time with, like, the math situation at school. So it all just joined together perfectly and I think she's definitely one of the biggest inspirations we also got Jaguar from Radio 1 who's she's pushed me massively and I can't thank her enough for everything she's done and she supported my first track Strangest Thing gave it dance floor moment and then literally I think it was exactly a year on she gave garden dance floor moment so it's just I think it's really cool how it's all come together definitely yeah definitely well it's been wonderful to hear about your journey so far Emily and also about you know your current track garden and maybe you could just share is there anything that people can go and check out anything that you're planning or that's coming up that people can go and take a look at yeah so I've got a behind the scenes at Printworks on my YouTube channel and that's got like all, it's sort of like a garden music video but there's also another video of me actually preparing for my set so I think that's quite cool to have a look at if you're interested. And yeah, you can find Garden on like any social media or music platforms. It's always on YouTube, Apple Music, Spotify. And just, yeah, take a listen. There might be some remixes of it coming soon, which I'm really looking forward to. So that's something else to keep your eyes open for. Definitely. Well, we will definitely look forward to that. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing what you're doing and for being a role model to other women who want to get into production and DJing. Oh, thank you. And thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed the interview. Well, I have to say, dear listener, I definitely felt the excitement and joy just emanating from Emily in our conversation. She's clearly right in the middle of something special taking off for her music and is loving every single minute of it. And I say a massive congratulations and respect to her because even though it's clearly been a pretty organic and natural process for Emily, it's also a very different type of career from many of her peers and where she thought she'd be at 20 years old. I loved hearing about how she's approaching the year ahead, not just in terms of her thinking around creating and releasing music, but also the level of maturity she shows in her psychological approach to all of this too. Emily is clearly going where her music naturally leads her. 
I was also genuinely heartened to hear that Emily's experiences in the industry have been so positive and that she's gladly representing female DJs and producers in dance music. And at such a young age, she's already clearly an important role model. If you want to listen to Emily's music, you'll find her on all major streaming platforms and I've left a link to her music in the show notes for you. There's also a great Get to Know Emily Nash video up on YouTube, which I've linked to as well. And that's our first episode of season three done and dusted, dear listener. Doesn't time fly? But I'll be back next week as we continue with all our season three goodies with another full fat helping of Girls Twiddling Knobs, where I'll be sharing why you don't need lots of expensive gear to start recording your music from home and what you do need instead. So make sure you hit subscribe wherever you're listening so you'll get all the episodes in season three regularly dropping wherever you listen to your podcasts. And leave a review of the podcast while you're there too. I'll catch you here soon, Knob Twiddlers. Girls Twiddling Knobs is hosted and produced by me, Isabel Anderson, with production support from Jade Bailey. The show notes are compiled by Francesca O'Connor, and this is a female DIY musician production. So, how do you like that episode, dear listener? If you loved it, and you know someone else who would love it too, be a good friend and share it with them. Go on, spread the girls' twiddling knobs love.